Welcome to Connect with Success with Dr. Lynette Scatiswatilla, where we help connect you with knowledge. Our mission is to lead you to a new and exciting way of understanding, responding to, and helping all those with autism. We hope to expand your thinking about how to best serve these amazing people and to support you in your daily struggles and celebrations. Welcome, everyone, to the next episode of Connect with Success, a podcast built around the success approach and the person who coined it, Dr. Lynette Scott T. Swatilla. We have a special guest with us today who um, we're going to hear give a little bit of a witness on the um, how the success approach has impacted her life. Um, and we are looking forward to having our first parent on the podcast to hear their unique perspective. Uh, so we're looking forward to taking this journey with you today. And of course, we have Dr. Lynette with us, who is helping us digest all of the success approach in any given situation. Dr. Lynette, what's our concept for this episode? We're going to focus today on parent perspective and seeing both autism and the success approach through the lens of the parent. All right, we have with us here Stacy Wilder, um, and uh, your son, uh, who went through the center, is Joshua. Joshua, and so uh, tell us a little bit about you, Stacy. Uh, well, uh, my name is Stacy Wilder. I have four kids all together. Joshua is actually our oldest. Um, my husband and I just celebrated our twenty-fifth wedding anniversary the other oh, day. Nice. Um, so Joshua is twenty-two. He just turned twenty-two, which of course is a big deal in the DD world. So we're figuring out uh, a path for him in adult services. But um, he's my oldest, and then I have a twenty-year-old son, a fifteen-year-old daughter, and a thirteen-year-old son. Big, happy family. Right. <laughs> um, and so educationally and professionally, I'm a social worker, although for many, many years I was primarily a stay-at-home mom. Um, only recently have I been working as the, I'm a social worker at Hannah's home, okay. but very, very part-time, mm -hmm. but it kind of works perfectly in with our life. That's amazing. So what are some things that you guys like to do together as a family? Oh, let's see. Watch Marvel movies. Mm. That would be a big one. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, so Team Captain America or Team Iron Man? I, I'm not that passionate. Oh, okay. I just like watching them. <laughs> Honest answer. Right, yeah. Well, that's wonderful. And I, and I hope you guys will enjoy uh, getting to know um, Stacy and Joshua and their journey as we uh, head into the message for today's episode. So thanks, Stacy, for helping us to get to know a little bit about you. Um, tell us a little bit about Josh so we understand him as a person. And then maybe you can go right into how it came to be that he was introduced to ITC. Right. Oh, gosh. There's so much to Josh. I'm trying to figure out what to focus on. So, I mean, Josh was, to go way back, Josh was typically developing when he was younger. He developed words. He was interactive socially. I remember playing peekaboo and naming all the um, mm. animals and the sounds they made. And then something happened and he regressed. And it was kind of like he fell into a pit. And we've been trying to dig out ever since, mm. um, the way I kind of think about it in my mind. Um so that started, you know, the road to early intervention. Uh, we had a lot of different um, school placements. Some were great. Some were kind of nightmarish. Um, mm. um, and so, like, to fast forward to now, just to tell you a little bit about Joshua's personality. He is <laughs> so smart, as you know, Lynette. Mm -hmm. um, he's so smart and so funny. He's got mm. so much personality, um, which <laughs> is always a hard thing when you read about him on paper. He looks one way. Yes. But then you meet him, and everybody that meets him loves him. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, about- if you can think back to how it came to be that he was at ITC, bringing all that good humor and that intellect that we right. do know and respect. Yeah. yeah. Tell us well, about that. Funny enough, he was at ITC when he was much younger. Um, and I'll have to say there have been several times that I've thought, mm, wonder what would have happened if he would have stayed at ITC. Mm-hmm. But he didn't, and we can't go back. And so um, he was at ITC for a very brief period when he was much younger. And then, like I said, all the different school placements. And then he was at a school placement that I'd say we were pretty happy with. He was getting um, work experience, going to different places and that sort of thing. And then COVID hit, mm-hmm. and he was home. And that was a nightmare. Um, mm-hmm. Nightmare, nightmare. It's just like hospital Trips yes. to the hospital because of out-of-control behavior um, nightmare because just take away that structure that he thrives on and all of the things that he loved doing, and it was just not good. So when it became time for summer programming, um, I remembered ITC, and I, I looked into it, gave Lynette a call, and um, his school district was willing to go that route. And so we started. And so he did so well for the summer program that once it was time to start his next school year, which would be his final one, mm. wanted to make the most out of that and really um, advocated for him to continue at ITC. And, and they agreed. And that's how we ended up at ITC. Yeah. I remember um, <clears throat> the history where he first came to the center. I, I don't remember more than a couple sessions. I think we were focusing on music therapy at the time, if you remember, or trying to get him engaged through music because mm-hmm. he was new to us. And I don't remember his age, but he now is 22. So this had have been, gosh. Actually four or five. It was before kindergarten, I think. Okay, yeah. I was thinking of the time he came back then. Oh, As an adult, right. more. that's what I remember. Oh. I don't remember the early years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So he's had a come and go, come and go kind of sporadic experience with the center. Right. Um, and he came back kind of full throttle. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad we got him when we did. Oh, yeah. Me too. And I have to shout out to the districts who really understand um, that there is a, a place um, for these kids at the center, even temporarily. I mean, I always tell families, I love your kids, but I don't want to know them when they're 18. I want to help them early on. I want them to be where you want them to be. And if that's at the district, and oftentimes it isn't, but if it is, great. We want to help you get there or get back there. Um, And if it isn't at the district and it's with us, we want to help him or her get um, the most out of our services that we possibly can with the support of the district who oftentimes writes the IEP and such. So it's just a great relationship we have with your particular district, and we so appreciate them. So what about your experience at ITC was most surprising? I I think one of the things was just the level of collaboration. I mean, I don't want to – Josh has had great teachers in the past that Mm. were very accessible, but just the level of collaboration with Lynette and the rest of the staff, um, just their availability, the communication through Google Classrooms, the pictures, like just being so – because – you know what I didn't mention is that Josh doesn't live with us. Ah, yeah. Yes. So – Let's see, 2016 uh, is when we made the change. Um, We were looking for a larger home. We needed more space, found a place around the corner, and 
The next morning I woke up thinking, I wonder if there's something we can do with this home that would be a future plan for Josh. And so so all the doors opened and everything worked out. And so he lives in that home still. He stayed in that home. Okay. And so he has uh, round-the-clock support, obviously. Um, so we were around the corner and we're really, obviously, very involved with his care, but we do not live with him. And so to have that level of collaboration meant that much more to me because I don't have that daily face-to-face with him. So um, I think that would be one of the big things was the level of collaboration. But also just the... I think the confidence, I think I wrote here lack of nervousness in my notes um, because Joshua's behaviors can be pretty extreme, Mm. but there was never, I never felt um, from the staff that, oh, what are we going to do? Or you need to come get him or Mm. anything like that. There was such a confidence in um, their approaches that they would work well with Josh that there, there was just a complete lack of that kind of nervousness. And that was so helpful to me to feel like I could feel comfortable Mm. with how he was doing while he was here. I want to speak to something you said, because it's such a great word, Stacey, and I appreciate you saying it. You know, you talk about collaboration, and um, we have a very distinct understanding of what that is, but it really stems from one of our earlier episodes, Rich, where we talk about transdisciplinary excellence Mm -hmm. and that total team approach of everyone working together creating sort of a supportive web around the child. Um, And you are in a unique situation because, yes, Josh doesn't live with you, lives in the original family home where he was raised, which is a blessing in and of itself. Um, But that around the care staff you mentioned was another entity that we were very open to collaborating with for the sake of having the carryover. Um, And so being on the end of the service where... um, the plan was created, I can say that we put a lot of time and effort into trying to make provisions. We would go to the home and work with the staff there. We would have the staff come to us as well. Um, And that's how it started in the first summer, but when it became an extension for the actual school year and it was the final year of his um, educational career, um, the bus would transport him, Mm -hmm. the school would transport him. And so we lost that direct connection. Um, And even though we had provisions in place, it wasn't always easy for the staff to um, maintain contact with us. But to speak to the point of collaboration means that immediate staff, the family, our center, and the district, we all work together. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the beauty of Integrations Treatment Center in general is that you guys are so open to work with the different entities because it's about forming that team, as we've yes. talked about in many episodes for that, yes. that individual. And one of the things that will be on my epitaph is this. It takes a village. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is what I believe. I always say it takes a village and Josh is the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stacy, what has been helpful about placement at Integrations Treatment Center and how is it different than what else is out there that you've seen? Well, I would say primarily like how individualized it is. Um, Each aspect of his care, like how his day was broken up uh, while he was at ITC, everything was um, tailored to his needs. Um, And in so doing, ITC staff was even able to go above and beyond what was on his IEP. Mm -hmm. So um, I will say that one frustration for me had been I knew that Josh could read, um, but just could not get the support for that from um, from schools. So I mean, could even be remember being in IEP meeting and basically being asked why do we want him to learn to read. Um, so that was really frustrating and heartbreaking. And um, 
ITC went above and beyond and worked with him on listening to books on tape, and he seemed to really love it. He would follow along. He would f- turn the pages. So um, that was that was unique. Um, the attention to his sensory needs, making sure those were met, um, that was uh, you know a, definitely a positive component of it. And I think maybe even more than anything else is the high expectations, um, knowing knowing that Josh was in there and Josh yeah. was capable and he would rise to their expectations. It's a gift to see him do that. There's nothing more life-giving um, to an interventionist or a clinician like myself than to see in a child's eye a light bulb go off that is commensurate with, oh my gosh, they get me. Mm-hmm. That's a gift to see. Um I think it's rare that they get that opportunity sometimes, and to see it is halting. You know that they know that we understand them, and it's such a camaraderie moment. In that moment, they are equal. Mm -hmm. There's nothing different about us. We all have needs we need to be met, and we all have gifts and strengths and challenges, and all that comes through in just the look in their eye, like almost like thank you for for getting me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that spark you get as a parent, too, when you realize, there you are. Like, yeah. I knew you were in there. Like, yeah. you know, you can I can respond. And someone else sees that you're in there. Yes. And so there's a community now building around you, believing in you. You know, belief is very, very important. And the, I'll tell you, the room is fun. I mean, you go in there, you see the big swings, and you got yeah. the putty, right. and... You, yeah. I want to jump in there and play yeah. some things. Jump, <laughs> We're get, open. Get in the rice pit. Anytime you need us, I might there. be in the rice pit before you know it, but... <laughs> So what are some of the uh, greatest challenges the success approach has helped your child overcome? Well, I would say that one uh, real obstacle or real challenge for Josh is waiting. So if he knows, um, Joshua does really well with schedules. So ever since he was, I don't know how old, we've done a weekly schedule, a daily schedule, and a monthly schedule. And um, he's actually gotten a bit beyond that, which I'm taking as a positive, that he used to carry them around like a security blanket um, to the extent that if he couldn't find his schedules, it was a problem. Um, But waiting, if he would see that something was on his schedule for the day that he really wanted to get to, he might just start you know, repeating that over and over and over and over. Um, And that could result in some pretty major behaviors. Um, Mm -hmm. And so one thing that was implemented at ITC was a temporal awareness program where they took a clock and, um, and that's the thing, just always thinking outside of the box and just trying to figure out what's going to work well. And this worked really well for Josh. They would uh, write with dry erase on the outside of the clock and so that he could see visually this is when you're doing, you know, when you're going swimming or this is when you're working with his carrier. Um, and he would follow along with that and that helped. Mm-hmm. So now we're just working on carrying that over. Yeah. But that was definitely um, a huge gain for him. And I kind of want to jump in here. It reminds me of the episode that we recently shared where there are life hacks or, you know, mm-hmm. getting kids into the community and the hacks to do that, autism hacks, we called it. Um, but this is sort of like a, a life hack, too. It isn't to compensate for Josh having difficulty with temporal awareness, meaning waiting. It's teaching him an understanding of the passage of time. And that's what Stacy means by the term temporal awareness. And um, I remember being in a meeting with you and your team where I talked about some of the, th- the top three things that we were going to need to address and tackle that I didn't think people 
prior to his life had attempted to tackle, or he wouldn't have these issues if they did, or if they did so successfully anyway. And one of them was temporal awareness. So we need to we needed to really concretize mm-hmm. the passage of time. Because um, if I say to you, you know, soon the podcast will be over, everyone listening has a sense that that doesn't mean Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's much, much sooner than Christmas. It's also not in the next four seconds. Mm-hmm. So we have a sense of these abstract terms like soon and not now and never or later. I mean, think of the English language alone or any language and that temporal awareness terms that we use every day that everyone else seems to understand. Um, And when what you're waiting for is the van that's supposed to come at two and it's 12, you've got two hours of managing behavior if you don't know how to help that child. So that was the first thing I prescribed as the case manager and lead clinician in his care was a temporal awareness program. That reminds me, when my daughter was younger, we used to tell ask her all the time, you know, we always had very strict regimen in terms of, you know, bath, books, bed, and if it was running a little late or she knew that the magic number was 8 o'clock was to start this regimen, and we would say, Maddie, what time is it? And she would, instead of saying 8 o'clock, she would say, it's well past my bedtime. <laughs> and she would see the clock and see the 8, but not understand like the passage of time because we used to tell her all the time, you know, we have to get moving because it's well past your bedtime. We realized we were putting that mm-hmm. into place instead of actually talking about the time and what it was going to take to do that. But <laughs> I remember very vividly, Maddie, what time is it? It's well past my bedtime. <laughs> Because that's what she heard. That's right. <laughs> Very literal. Yeah. Very literal. So, Stacy, is there anything that you learned about your child since uh, being at Integrations Treatment Center that no one else knew or explained to you? Right. Well, as I looked at this question, I realized Joshua was either 20 or 21 when he started. So I knew a lot about Josh by that point. So <laughs> I feel like it was more a matter of giving me words to things I already knew. Ah, um, nice. So things like schema. Yes. I knew that um, if Josh went somewhere and something happened the first time, that's how he was going to think of it every time. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that that was called schema mm-hmm. and, and what that meant. So another one is a uh, word Lynette just used and that was concretizing. Mm-hmm. So, um, I had been doing that. Uh, is this concretizing? Uh, <laughs> social stories and that uh-huh. sort of thing, um, just making yes. them very visual and concrete for him yes, to see what is. was going to be happening, um, which has been a, a huge tool for mm-hmm. Josh. So I think it was more that helping me know how to think about things and to put words to uh, kind of observations and things that I already kind of knew. But once you have the concept more solid, then you know how to work with it. Absolutely. And you bring up a good point because it, it's about li- being able to put a label for ourselves, I think, on it, being able to describe it because we sometimes don't have the words for what we're feeling Right. when we're, um, as parents, you know, helping our children, trying to explain the world to them, we need to have a basis of it. And I think that's why that online training course is so key for parents who are strapped for time and can't be there in person. Um, so if you've not checked out the Integration Treatments on our website, we'll put the, the link in the show, note, show notes. Uh, so that you have the opportunity to be part of that training as well. Mm-hmm. It really provides an opportunity to talk on terms that everyone understands to really get to the meat of the matter. Sometimes parents then spend so much time explaining the challenge. Um, and once they know, well, let's call that schema. Then <laughs> It's like, how are his schemas coming along? Well, I think he's got a new schema for, so we all know what we're talking about. Um, it's efficient. It's efficiency. And here's the beauty thing, beautiful thing about how we help parents learn. Everyone has schemas. So by introducing that vocabulary, you know that his schemas are formed a certain way because of how his autism 
operates or how it drives his neurological processes. But you have schemas too. Mm-hmm. If you remember back to information processing, you have a schema for changing a diaper, for changing a tire, for going, for going to the laundromat, for going shopping. And they do too. The difference is the first way that they learn it is like a steel trap memory, I always say, and ours is much more flexible and generalizable. But it's also empowering because, I mean, I've sat through, you know, IEP meetings and trying to figure out the alphabet soup that is IEP, PRO1, ETR, and you're like, <laughs> kind of buy a vowel. Um, and, <laughs> you know, you're trying to figure out your way around the world to help best you know, suit your child. So it's nice to have that empowering language, yeah. you know, to understand what's going on. And, and I think that's the beauty of Integrations Treatment Center, too, is they, they really do empower you mm-hmm. to help take control and understand that world. Gosh, now that you mention it, that, that's a huge one. Mm-hmm. Because really, in a lot of other settings, you are that parent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it's tiring, and it's um, really uh, deflating. But I never, ever felt that way um, in interacting with staff at ITC. Definitely uh, just a partner and um, really... I could tell my input was valued, and that was huge. So valuable, with or without knowing the terminology. But when you do know it, it's like, yay, this mom retained it. This is an important <laughs> thing to her. She's latched onto it. Let's build on it, you know. No one's better or worse than anyone else at ITC, and we put families in that domain. So we're equals, and the faster we get on the page of that equality, the faster we can be that web of support to the kid. It's really about the kid. So, Stacy, this is actually excellent insight and information, so thanks again for sharing it. Um, I have a question that I think might be important to you to answer, um, and the question is, why do you feel Josh was so receptive to interventions or the methods we used at the center? I think that part of that goes back to what we were talking about, the high expectations and that look in his eye knowing that you got him. Um, I feel like one thing that I'm really um, – passionate about, I feel strongly about, is um, treating Josh and everybody with dignity. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that when you do that, they just, they rise to the occasion. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think a a big part of that was the the dignity, the connection. Mm -hmm. Um, The staff that worked one-on-one with him just had amazing connections with him because they got him, um, because they valued him, and he felt understood as a person. Mm -hmm. And I think all of that... um, is what made him so receptive to the services. Beautiful. Well, and again, it goes back to that building of the team, you know, and knowing just the right supports and, and, and really getting to the heart of who that person is. And I think that's the beauty of Integrations Treatment Center right there is that each person is unique in, in achieving their own individual potential. And uh, it's, 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 it's life-giving. It really is life-giving. And you really feel like you can begin to unlock who your child is, right? you know, and who they truly, and when you see that spark in their eye light up and you realize you've made that connection, um, you never want to let it go at that point in time because you know you have it, right? you know, and, and, and to know too that there are going to be sometimes there are going to be setbacks to be expected and, you know, and you just have to kind of pull back and, and start over again and kind of work your way into it, um, working through the steps mm-hmm. of, of that beauty of the approach. Absolutely. Right. So um, let's talk about the, um, what do you see as the best way for a family to advocate for their child's needs? Mm. I think the first um, thing that comes to my mind is to be the squeaky wheel. Mm. Um, get connected with your local board of DD. Uh, make sure you know who you're in our area is called your SSA. 
know who your SSA is, uh, make sure they're aware of everything that's happening, get on any wait list that you can, um, and just feel confident in knowing that you know your child the best, and just be tireless in exploring avenues. If something's not working well, look for something different. Um, don't just accept what's handed to you, um, and, uh, and, it, and, and get a tough skin. <laughs> well, Stacy, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today and, and for um, giving our listeners uh, an idea of what that glimmer of hope looks like. Um, you know, I, I commend, uh, and it's a lifelong journey, right? Um, but just, just the fact that um, as a parent to a parent, thank you for, for sharing your perspective with us today. Sure. Glad to be here. Yeah. You know, maybe our challenge is to take some time to reflect on your teen mm. and take some time to, re, um, to be grateful and, and just think about the supports that you have mm-hmm. and, um, and maybe assess some of the supports that you still need because it is an ongoing process. Mm. As we wrap up this episode, I think the thing that really sticks out to me is um, being an advocate you know, being an advocate for your child and sticking by um, to look for those glimmers of hope when it seems it's darkest. Uh, what would you say your takeaway from this episode is, Lynette? I think my takeaway is the longevity of support. You know, I think parents struggle with wondering about the future. It's very um, unsettling for some families. Um, but I think Stacy and her amazing husband and children um, really have brought to Josh in this example everything they can um, and everything that was available to them. I think we have to um, use that support and extend it so that um, children and young adults like Josh can live out their greatest potential, no matter what that looks like. The supports don't go away. We would love for you to connect with us. Leave us feedback, a story, or a question that you're thinking about through our SpeakPipe page. Uh, You can leave us an audio recording and ask away. Who knows, you might even be featured on the episode. So you can reach us at www.speakpipe.com forward slash connect with success and use your phone or computer to leave us a voice recording. We'll put the link in the show notes, but again, that's www.speakpipe.com forward slash connect with success. We hope that you learned something today to help you on your journey with autism. We'll share more on our next Connect with Success podcast. Until then, expect success. The Success Approach is a registered service mark protected under intellectual property law. Unless otherwise specified, all music, audiovisual, and proprietary content shared in this podcast is property of Autism Productions, LLC, and its sister agency, Integrations Treatment Center. The use of this content is unlawful without the expressed written consent of aforementioned agency. For more information about the success approach, please go to our website at www.thesuccessapproach.org.